0: So we're going to start off with a little pop quiz again, like we did last week. All well, this time, I think I might actually give prizes to the winners on the spot. I got three questions. Raise your hand if you think you know the answer, and if you get it right, come stand right up here. Question number one: What's the deadline to sign up for camp? In the back. No, it's so close. I love you. I wish I could give you a present anyway. What do you got? On the corner. Yeah, you with twenty-two. May 22nd, come right up here. And because you were willing, you may come up as well. All right, second question. Finish the quote from last week's sermon. This was the main point of my sermon. What are you doing? On the floor. Get on the floor. All right, finish the quote. This is the main point from last week's sermon. God is God and I am... Anybody want to raise their hand and try, Bean? Oh, that's correct. That's correct. Come right up here. All right. Hey, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Last question. What's the title of our current teaching series? Praying through the Psalms. Come on up here. All right. So I got some gifts I'm actually going to give. You guys stand over here. Now, there's good things on top. There's good things on the bottom. There's like awkward, weird things like throughout. So put your hand in, grab whatever you want, but you can't peek. It's got to be a surprise. And don't take forever. Junior High was like, I'm just gonna feel touch everything. So there's germs in here. All right. It's like a $50 thermos, buddy. Enjoy. Now get out of here. What do you got? Oh my gosh. No, it's too much. It's too much. Just grab. Just take it. It's like a two dollar thermos. But it's still great. It's because you got it wrong. All right. Don't peek. Right? It's a t-shirt. You can wear it. It's fun. 21 Pilots. All right. So, pay attention, because I might ask questions next week, even though I'm not going to be here. And you can win some stuff. Okay, so our sermon series is praying the Psalms. And why are we teaching on that? Because God has something to say to every single one of you. Every single one of you, every day. God has something unique, personal, specific to communicate to you, to say to you. If you want to learn how to know what God is saying to you, how to understand what he's calling you to do or to be or to experience, you need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to listen. And the Psalms are the best teacher for that. They are available all day, every day, at your fingertips, on your phone. This generation, you and me, right now, we have less excuse than any generation in history to not read our Bible. We have no excuse because it is more available to us right now than any generation. So if you want to learn how to pray, the Psalms are your teacher. So last weekend, I shared with you that I've been struggling with disappointment, with discouragement for a variety of reasons. In the last several weeks, um, Brooke and I have kind of had one, two, three, four last night punch of disappointment and discouragement. The first punch was significant. We've been waiting for this vacation for two and a half years to Hawaii and we went expecting and hoping and really needing rest and refreshment and the vacation just was kind of less than, subpar. It was like down here. And it was disappointing and discouraging. We didn't come back feeling super rested. We didn't come back feeling like that was amazing. We came back feeling, I need a vacation for my vacation. And when we arrived home, we realized, man, that little hairline crack in my shower is now a crack in the shower. And the shower, it's like the crack, I can't fix it. So I got to replace the entire shower. I don't even know how much it's going to be yet. I'm scared to find out. It's going to be expensive. And when we got back, both of our cars, not being driven for a week and a half, and they're both very old. I mean, I my, my, have had my car for 18 years. They both, the problems they had, amplified, multiplied while we were gone, and we had to replace both of our, ve- our primary family vehicles the week that we got back. So now we have two car payments where we had none, and that's like a significant portion of our, monthly income that we like feed ourselves with, we gotta pay for cars. So it was just like one, two, three, uh, this weekend, my AC, ain't working. <laughs> Why? Four, punch. So, disappointed, feeling discouraged. And I know that you guys have disappointing things in your life, and there are things right now that if I just say the word discouraged, something's coming up that you're like, yeah, that's discouraging. My grades are a little discouraging. My relationship with so-and-so is a little discouraging. We all have stuff like that. So, thank God that we have an antidote for discouragement. What is it? Encouragement at a girl. The antidote for discouragement is encouragement. Let's define it. Encouragement. And I highlighted the middle for a reason because that's what it's all about. To be encouraged, to encourage, to receive encouragement is to inspire with courage and confidence. It is to stimulate by approval or support. Synonyms for encouragement are to embolden, to to hearten, to reassure. If you've ever been truly encouraged or encouraged someone, those were elements of what took place. There was inspiration that led to courage welling up in you, to confidence overflowing in you, to feeling, okay, I'm less than right now, but now I feel, I feel approved, I feel like I have support. That's the antidote for when we're feeling disappointed and discouraged. We need encouragement. And thank God that we have this book, this supernatural, blessed, 66 books in one, every page, encouraging, life-giving, Words. So, discouragement is the devil's language because discouragement is littered with defeat, helplessness, hopelessness, and death. But God's language is encouragement, and God's language is just saturated with victory and confidence and life and love. Who saw the movie this past fall, Arrival? Alien movie. Right? The lima beans that come out of space. I don't know. They look like lima beans to me. Here's a plot summary of the movie. It's a very good film if you want to check it out. I don't know the rating. If it's R, it's a horrible movie. Don't watch it. All right. These aliens come to Earth. They don't speak uh, no English. Sorry if that was offensive to anybody. But they don't, which you'd think if they can build spaceships, they can learn some English. But they don't speak English, and so these teams are gathered. Specifically, this one woman is hired. Come and help us figure out. What are they saying? Help us learn their language. Help them learn our language. That's her whole job. And I learned something watching this movie. And Andy Zabo, my buddy, really, it resonated with him. There's a quote in the movie, and it's quoting a real thing. It's called the theory of linguistic relativity. The theory of linguistic relativity. And here's what the theory states. That the language that you speak, what's, what language do you guys speak? Spanish, English, awesome. The language that you speak determines how you think. Think about it. The language you speak determines how you think. And if you don't know that that's true, learn another language and you'll see that's very true. And how you think affects how you encounter the world. Therefore, whenever you immerse yourself in a new language, you are actually rewiring your brain. Simply put, when you learn a new language, it changes the way that you think, and it changes the way that you see the world. Now if that's true when we learn Spanish, and that's true when we learn Spanish, because Spanish, there's a lot of passion in the Spanish language, because it's representative of the people that speak it. You learn to see and think with a little more passion. When you learn French, which is very poetic and beautiful and flowery, you learn to see the world a little bit more like that, and you learn to think a little more like that. When you learn German, right, you're gonna learn some rules. But it changes the way that you think. Now consider this, when you read the Bible, when you study and pray scripture, this language that is so countercultural and full of love, You're learning the supernatural language of God who made the universe and you and everything in between. How much does that change you? How much does that transform you? So, there's a scripture that underscores this very truth. It's Romans chapter 12, and it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Well, how do we do that? With this, you change the way you think by learning the language of God, of love, of encouragement. And then, once you've learned this language, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, You guys, that's profound. It's not a coincidence that we're the only species on earth that can read and write. It's because God wired us, created us that way, so we could experience him through the written word. Reading God's word helps us learn the difference between what is good and what is evil. What is pure and unpure? What is light? What is dark? What is holy? What is unholy? Left to our own devices. We can just make up stuff and decide, no, this is good and this is bad. But the Bible makes it clear, no question, this is good. This is bad. And learning the language of love, of encouragement, transforms us into new people. This book is vital to your faith and your growth as a little Jesus. When we read and write God's words, something supernatural and spiritual happens. Think about it. When you see scripture, when you hear scripture, as you're hearing already while you're sitting here, but then you take the time to write it, it has passed through you it has done something it's a mystery it's true it changes you so you've got cards and pens under your chairs and we're going to keep putting them out use them take good notes you hear a scripture or a truth in a sermon write it down you are processing it as you put it pen to paper we need to transform the way that we think in order to learn how to hear from god Talk to God and understand what he's saying because God is saying something to all of you today and you might have no clue. Read this book. Pray these words. You'll begin to get it. Okay, so this morning, I just want to tell some stories. I got four stories for you at the end of which of each. We're going to pray something along the lines of the story, so be listening to the details. But I got four stories that demonstrate how God loves to encourage us with the right word at the right time. So, story number one, we'll call it encouragement amidst conflict. Anybody in the room ever been in conflict? Tune your ears to this. There's a lesson. Encouragement amidst conflict. I mentioned last week, 2016, is the hardest, most difficult, challenging, brutal year of ministry in my life, which basically means it was one of the hardest years of my life. The same is true for Brooke. Um, we talked about it more last week. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details, but I've never experienced so many personal attacks on me. I've never experienced more people attack my wife. I've never witnessed so much gossip going around based on just untruth in my life than last year, and it was all focused on us. Have you ever been the subject of gossip? Isn't it disappointing and discouraging? Well, that's how we felt. And I know that God called me to be your student pastor. I asked, God, am I supposed to take this job? And he said, yes, this is what I have for you. So knowing that this is a calling from God on my life, it's my purpose, I still was like, I don't care. I want to quit. I want to quit. I can't take it anymore. I can't take what it's doing to my wife. And that's pretty significant. Because do you, you, you don't say no to God if you're wise. But that's how I felt. wanted to say no. So... How did we make it through? Because I'm still here, thank God. So is my wife. We immersed ourselves in scripture. We prayed scripture. We changed the way that we thought about our circumstances and about what was going on because of scripture. I sat down with the Lord about six months into this year-long just assault, and I said, God, this is how I feel right now. And I was specific. These people are attacking us. This is how it's making me feel. I'm afraid, I want to run, I just want to go be a photographer and say somebody else can have the ministry. I wrote all that out, but then I took the time to say, God, what do you say about it? This is how I feel, what do you say about it? Have you ever done that? Because if you're thinking about quitting something, ask him what he thinks. Maybe he would have said, you may go with my blessing. And I would have. But this is what he said. As I confessed, I'm afraid, I'm discouraged, I don't want to stay. What do you have to say? And I opened my Bible, and the first sentence that my eyes landed on said this. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your position and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. The devil had been discouraging me for months and would continue to do so with thoughts like God's abandoned you, you're going to lose, you should run away. You guys ever feel that way? God's not with me, I'm going to lose, I should just take off. We all feel that way about stuff. That's how I felt. And here was God's encouragement for me. Waiting in this book the whole time, I should have asked six months earlier. And God's encouragement was this. Don't be afraid. And he said it twice. Do not be discouraged. And he said it twice. I am with you. He said it twice. It's like, here's my complaint. And he's like, I'm going to double up. I'm going to double down and say, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't run. Be still. I'm with you. The battle is not yours. They're not mad at you. They're mad at me. God was saying, you might be bearing the brunt of their attack, but they're really mad at me. So don't worry about it. And so we didn't. And knowing and transitioning, it's like transforming my thoughts from, okay, I don't need to be worried about their attacks and what might happen, because they're just people. I changed and started to think, I feel kind of sorry for these people. I feel empathetic towards these people because somewhere along the way they believed a lie And they're attacking their brothers and sisters in Christ, which the Bible says, uh uh-uh. And I started to have sympathy. And so Brooke and I went from praying, like, get us out of here, to we need to pray for these people that are persecuting us. Have you ever prayed for the people that are gossiping about you or attacking you or saying mean things about your back? I'll tell you what, it'll change your heart. It'll change the way that you think. As we started praying for these people, our hearts for them were filled with like love. We, want, we no longer wanted revenge or thoughts. Of, we wanted to help them. And true to his word, we never had to fight at all. God took care of each situation, many of them with reconciliation and now stronger relationships than we had before. God's word proved to be true in our life. He encouraged us with the right word at the right time. We believed it. We obeyed it, we prayed it, and it transformed the way that I think about conflict. Many other conflicts have happened just in a short time, and in each one, the first thing I try to do is pray for the people that are afflicting us, and it's changed me. So, question number one, our first kind of response. Just go ahead and bow your heads. And right now, just between you and the Lord, consider, do you have a tough situation in your life? Do you have someone that's attacking you? Ask the Lord right now, Is there a situation or relationship that I need to pray for someone? If you're seeing a face, if you're getting a name, write it down. And now, ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me the right words to pray? an open-ended question he might tell you right now you might be hearing the word forgiveness or peace or rescue write it down but maybe you won't hear an answer on this open-ended question until later today or this week but you need to trust that you just asked your father in heaven who answers prayer a specific question he's going to answer it so have faith jesus answer these prayers amen story number two We'll call this one Encouragement Amidst Hopelessness. You guys know my friend Carla Fernandez. She's been around the student ministry quite a long time, graduating this year. Carla has a friend at school, and her friend is very intelligent. She's open to spiritual conversations, but for, for her adult life, she has been an open atheist. Doesn't believe in God. Doesn't want anything to do with it. Probably thinks it's a sham, as many people do. So... Carla feels led to pray for her friend to be saved. And I would just pause right there and say, that alone is a win. Do you have any friends that don't know Jesus? Man, I hope so. I'm sure you do. Are you praying for them to be saved? Are you praying for them to encounter Jesus? I challenge you to do that. That's all Carla did, she started praying for her friend. Jesus, save her. You know, it could be that simple. Praying for her every day. Weeks go by, nothing's happening. You ever pray for something and you're like, come on, on my timeline, I want to see this happen. Well, nothing's happening. And I can imagine she's feeling discouraged. And I can imagine she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. She's praying one day and she feels like the Lord says this to her, word for word Your friend will do great things for me and you will be my witness. Whoa. God, I'm praying for my friend to be saved. Nothing's happening. What do you want me to do? Your friend will do great things for me and you will be my witness. I don't need to hear anything else. I'm gonna pray for her until I'm dead. So Carla redoubles her efforts and starts praying for her. She prays for her every day and when she sees her, she just probably whisper in a prayer, she walks up, Jesus, please save her soul, get her. So she prays for her and prays for her and two years She prays for her. And over this time, Carla will come and sit with me sometimes after a sermon and be like, can we pray for her again? Like, I'm aware and familiar with this situation. Two years go by, and now it's this past winter. I think it was January, just a couple months ago. Carla comes up to me at the end of the service, and she is like leaping. She's just geeking out. And I can see Carla has something to say. And we sit down, and she goes, you're not going to believe this. My friend came up to me yesterday And she said, Carla, something crazy happened to me last night. Carla says, what? And the friend says, and I want to get this right. Last night, I woke up screaming at the top of my lungs in my bedroom from a dead sleep, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, I want to give you all of me. I am yours. She's asleep, wakes herself up screaming, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, I want to give you all of me. I am yours. She tells this to Carla and says, but that's the crazy thing. I don't believe in God. So what does that mean? And Carla's like, I don't know. And so she comes and she shares that with me. And as she's sharing with me, I'm like, I don't know what it means either. And so as she's talking to me, I just say a word. God, what does this mean? I just took the time to ask. All you guys need to do, you get these situations. Ask in the moment, what does this mean? And a scripture came to my mind immediately. As soon as I said, what does this mean? A scripture comes up and I'm like, Carla, I think we need to look this up. We look it up on the spot and here's what the scripture said that came to me as I asked, what does this mean? The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's own will. I said, Carla, I think that was the Holy Spirit praying for your friend, through your friend, which means he's already in her, which means she's already saved and doesn't know it. Somewhere along the way, she's given her life to Jesus, and she doesn't yet realize it. And Carla's just like, "We both are." Carla goes and talks to her friend. She shares this story. Yeah, you got the spirit of God in you, and it's praying for you, right? Probably not that blunt. But her friend is freaked out, and it gets weird. And she's like, "I gotta go." And Carla comes to me the next day, and she's like, "It got weird. I don't know what. I don't know what to do." It's like, hey, you you delivered the message? Let's just keep praying for her. A couple days go by, and her friend comes back and says, Carla, that scripture you gave me, what you said, that's exactly what happened. It's true. I prayed last night, and I gave my whole life to Jesus Christ, and I know he's real. And then she went on to say, and I'm a little upset, because I go to a Christian school with these kids that go to church and know Jesus, and none of them are telling me with that much Reality that God is real and he moves and he speaks and he'll wake you up in the middle of the night having you scream out his name, I'm gonna start telling everybody I know about Jesus. And you know what? She has. She is. I asked Carla this week, how's it going with her? And Carla said, every chance she gets, get, she's telling people Jesus is real. He loves you. You need a relationship with him. Do you know what that is? That is the fulfillment of the encouragement that God gave to Carla. Your friend will do great things for me and you will be my witness. All because Carla prayed for a friend. Amen indeed. So you can clap, I would clap. God encouraged Carla based on a very simple question with the right word at the right time and Carla believed it, she trusted it, she prayed it And it has transformed the way that she thinks about praying for the lost. And it should do the similar for us. God encouraged Carla, not for the sake of Carla, but also for ours. Be encouraged that if you have a friend that is lost, pray for them and ask for the right words to pray for them. So again, I would ask, bow your heads and let's ask the Lord a question. You and Jesus right now, just ask him, do I know someone that needs you, that's far from you, that I can begin praying for. Might be a family member or a friend. You might be hearing a name or a face. Write it down. And if you're intimidated by praying every day for somebody, ask God to help you. But capture that person's name and now just ask him that open ended question again Jesus, would you give me the right words to pray? and maybe to say to whomever. Jesus, we all have people in our life. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the person in my chair that do not know you. Help us pray that they would give us the right word at the right time. Amen. Story number three. It's a quickie. This is encouragement amidst spiritual attack. In 2007, Brooke and I lived in California, and I would spend every morning at a coffee shop called East Village Coffee, and I would sit there, and I would read my Bible, and I would pray, and I would journal, and I would just start my day there doing that. And I had a very amazing, crazy experience happen to me one morning, and I'm just going to read you my journal excerpt of what took place that day. So here's the coffee shop. Here's the coffee shop. You see the guy with his head down? That's about where I'm sitting in the coffee shop. And those two red chairs, a good table or two away. Hey, those are my tables from the cafe. Those two red chairs are where the other people in the story are. So we're a good 10 feet away at least. Sitting there having my quiet time. And here's what took place. Lord, this morning... I was given occasion to pray for a young woman sitting in my favorite coffee shop. She had just extended a small kindness to a homeless man by purchasing him a cup of coffee. In gratitude, he joined her on a couch a couple of tables away from me, and he began entertaining her with wild stories of his wide, wandering travels. I noticed that his speech was peppered with lots of talk of spirits and demons. And he bragged quite a bit about the deep knowledge he had acquired from tarot cards, magic, ouija boards, and the like. Now the young woman appeared exceedingly patient, and I was moved to see how deliberate she was in listening to this man go on and on. And she seemed to be continuing her initial kindness by giving this lonely rambler an intentional ear. And while I was a little uncomfortable with the nature of his words, he didn't seem dangerous. However, I guess given her implied acceptance of all that he was saying, within a few minutes the man became more emboldened, enough to take her hand in his own and begin proclaiming some sort of spiritual protection over her. And his language grew dark, passionate, and plural. We receive you into our care, he prayed. We will guide you into the darkness. Super creepy stuff. I started to feel very protective for the young woman. And I began to pray for her in my chair. But I realized I didn't know how to pray for her in that moment. And a wave of discouragement washed over me. So I quickly reached into my backpack, pulled out my Bible and asked the Lord, what should I pray? And I opened my Bible to the following phrase from the book of Joel, wake up and weep For a nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. As I began to pray these words under my breath, I realized the man had progressed from proclaiming their spiritual protection over the girl to declaring their ownership over her soul in this life and the next. All the while, the girl just sat there, nodding, entranced. I felt like I should just stand up and just intervene physically at that moment, but I I could not see any sort of positive result coming from that. So I pleaded with God one more time, wake her up, Jesus. Help her realize what's happening. Break the teeth of this lion. Shut its mouth. And the second that I whispered those words, the man across the room stopped speaking and he began looking around wildly and he stood up from his seat and he moaned as if sick, declaring, I'm upsetting something. I can't do it. Something's mad at me. I can feel it. The moment broken, the woman ripped her hand from the man and ran out of the coffee shop. God encouraged me with the right word, at the right time, and I believed those words, and I prayed those words, and I can't really tell you, because I don't know what impact that they had, but it is possible that her soul was like saved in that moment, because there is some spooky, freaky, spiritual stuff in the world. And if you participate in magic, dark arts, Ouija boards, tarot cards, God is clear. Old Testament, they'd kill you for it. Not because he was mad at you, but because it's better to kill you for mixing around with that stuff than losing your soul for eternity by getting involved with demons. And that man was proclaiming and it was his voice like changed, it was creepy. I own you in this life and in hell. And I believe there's power in that. It's in the Bible. And God interrupted that, and I got to be a part of it. You guys, you have that kind of power in you too. The right word at the right time, and it transformed me. It changed me the way I think about the power of intercessory prayer, praying for other people to be protected from the enemy. You guys have just as much right to pray in power like that. So, one more time, bow your heads and ask the Lord Is there anyone I need to be praying protection for? Is there anybody I know that's involved with some spooky stuff, maybe even suicidal thoughts that I can pray for in power? It's possible that all three of these requests is the same person, great. But as you see a face or hear a name, write it down. And now, again, open-ended question. Just trusting God's going to speak now or later. Ask God, give me the right words to pray. He will. Jesus, answer these prayers. We believe. Amen. Last story. As God's language becomes your language, as you learn the language of love and encouragement of power, in this book as you begin to write it out and practice it and pray it you need to start to use it in everyday life because the world is in desperate need of some light in the darkness you are the conduits so don't just keep these locked up in your side you let them spill out in your conversation every chance you get i know of few people that exercise the gift of encouragement as well as powerfully as bailey theaker bailey our student ministry administrator and one of our small group leaders for the girls is one of the most gifted, powerful encouragers that I've ever met in my 41 years. I saw a post on Instagram earlier this month, and I just want to read through it. But our friend Eric, who's a sick photographer, took this great picture of Emma Knight, who you should know. She was singing up here just a few minutes ago. And Eric went to Bailey, who's one of Emma's closest friends, and said, Bailey, tell me how you describe Emma. This is what Bailey said about her friend. Emma is the kind of person that has a knack for bringing all things back to the main thing. She hungers for truth. She feasts on it word for word. She has a way about her that makes even the most despondent individuals crave and chase the same truth. She wears it like a crown, and it pours from her in every conversation. Every interaction held with the weight of reality. Emma lives in the deep end of life. Deep relationships, deep poetry, deep meaning. She lives there, calling the world around her to join her there in the deep, the real, the true. Has anyone ever said more powerful words about Emma, I wonder? Have you ever been encouraged like that? And in a public way, I don't care who sees it, this person is awesome. Whether you know it or not, every page of this book is declaring the same powerful potent, personal encouragements. If you are discouraged or disappointed any day, open this book to any page and you will find words of life, love, affirmation, purpose, strength, encouragement. The only thing stopping you is you. That's the kind of power that we have. I asked Emma on Wednesday, I'm gonna share the photo and the thing that Bailey wrote But I want to know, personally, how did you feel when you read those words for the first time? Because she didn't know that was going to happen. And here's what Emma said. Those words made me feel good, grateful, joyful. They made me feel known. They made me see myself in a new light. Those words made me feel like I can do anything. Simple word of encouragement from her friend changed the way that Emma thinks about herself. That's power. That's life changing. And you can do the same. So, last time, bow your heads and ask the Lord not even is there, but ask Him who can I encourage? with words of life. Who would you have me encourage this week? As the face or the name come to mind, write it down. And as you do, ask the follow-up question, what would you have me say? Jesus, I know there's people in our life that you would have us speak truth, love, encouragement to, probably before the sun goes down today. So we pray for the right words. We pray for uh, the right time to give them. And we pray for the courage ourselves to deliver them with faith and boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, what I loved about that last story is Any of us can do that anytime. And I love that it was on social media because not only did Bailey directly encourage Emma, but she did it in a way that everybody that knows Emma and Bailey saw and were touched by. People that read that were like, I want somebody to say that about me. I challenge every single one of you today to consider who who did God tell you to encourage? Do the same thing. Pray for them and just ask, what words do they need to hear? And be flamboyant. Be big. Be ridiculous. Look foolish and bless someone with your words. Bless them in a room full of people. Bless them online. It will change them. It will affect them. They will never forget it. And you will feel great doing it because it's good to give. So I'm going to do a little word of exhortation and then we're going to respond to our sermon, but Learning the language of God changes everything. If you've got things in your life, you're like, this just has been bad forever. The language of God will change it. Learn it, read it, spend time in it. I've been a pastor for 10 years. The number one thing, the number one thing that I've seen year after year, that the most damaging thing to people's faith is believing this lie I don't have time that's a lie it is a lie if you believe that you do not have time to read this book it is a lie for you to believe that you don't have time to be part of a Christian community that you don't have time to pray for yourself your circumstance your friends Psalm 103 says that our days on earth are like grass like wildflowers we bloom and die the wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here But the love of the Lord remains forever. His love for you remains forever. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to God's word, of those who obey God's word. When we tell God, I don't have time, we're right. We don't have a second to spare Spend time in this book. Spend time learning the language of love and encouragement. This is simplistic, but it's true. How much time do you spend every week doing homework? I love good grades and excellence, but I will tell you there is no eternal value in you getting a good grade. How much time do you spend playing video games, guys? No eternal value. How much time do we spend watching TV? Netflix, there is no eternal value. Spend time doing something that has eternal value. All the things I challenged you guys to do today, I hope you do them, I hope you do them today, but we're going to respond in a very specific way right now. I encourage you to finish this task before the end of the day, but we're going to give you a couple minutes. On these tables on the front and across the back where Burl and Nader are sitting, there are these Greeting cards, And I want every single one of you to grab one and I want you to write a note of godly, life-giving encouragement in it and I want you to deliver it. Mother's Day is two weeks away and whether you think your mom is doing a great job or not, she deserves a word of encouragement from you. She needs a word of encouragement for you. It could be your mom, your stepmom, or just that woman in your life that is given so that you can have. I want you guys to pray this scripture that's gonna come up on the screen, and then I want you to write out some life-giving, courageous, confident words with the only focus of, I wanna bless this person. So I'm gonna pray these with you, and then just grab a card and start to write. And you probably won't finish before you leave, but finish today. And if you want to just sit and write for 20 minutes, we don't need to close the building immediately. Jesus, right now we just bow our heads before you, we bend our knee and we just acknowledge that we are built for greater things than this, what we have spent our time pursuing. So today, would we just grab onto one of those greater things and would you just speak Through us, would you move through us and use us to encourage the moms in our lives, your daughters? Would you help us right now fix our thoughts on what is true about the woman in our life? Would you help us fix our thoughts on anything, everything about her that's honorable, that's right, that's pure, that's lovely, that's admirable? Help us to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise for these women, your daughters, our moms, our sisters. Give us right now, fill us overflowing with words of life and love and encouragement. Change the way we see ourselves. We are vessels of power and light. May we be effective in blessing these women today by your power, and in your name, Jesus. Amen. Grab a card, write a letter.